We are so glad that you have been with us and you are with us. We are going to bring you the word of God this morning. I trust it's going to help you. I've got a message that the Lord really kind of dropped in my heart a couple of weeks ago concerning this day. And I know it's really going to help some people out there. Uh, the, the thought today, we're going to have an image on the back of the screen today. That's what we do in our church. We kind of give a pictorial image, and sometimes we have some key points back on the screen. Maybe they'll be there today. Maybe they won't. Uh, but you can follow along with us today. We're going to talk to you for a few minutes about you can't go back. Come on, look at your neighbor. Ch just chat that in the chat and type it out. You just can't go back. Meaning this, you just can't go back to the way it was. Uh, you're not going to be able to go back to the way the things were and what's happening in your life and uh, what, what it looks like and what, what it was. Because as we do know, the earth, the world has completely changed. Not just Southern California where we live in and our state and our nation, but the world. And so I want to encourage you. We can't go back. So uh, uh, no matter what's going on right now, as, as, as horrific as it is and isolation and we know that in quarantine and, and God forbid people are dying and people are getting sick and thank God recovery is coming. Come on, we believe in God for recovery. Come on, everybody. We believe in God. Recovery is on the way and, and, and helps on the way medically, but also according to the word of God. But what my, my focus now is not only dealing with the now, but, but what happens after this? Listen, we cannot go back to the way we were. We, we, things have changed. And so I, I want to encourage you. Let's use this time as a springboard into saying my life needs to change. My life needs to move forward. This current situation, as horrific as it is, has changed every one of us. Uh, but, but again, we just can't be the people that say when it's all over and when it's all done, we're going to go back to the way it was. I remember in, in, in 2001 during 9-11 and horrific events that happened during that time for our country. And there was a spike and there was an upswing in people's desire and attention toward God. But then really after about two or three weeks, we, we went back to the way it was. And my prayer is that we don't use this horrific event. We can use it to our advantage, that we don't go back to the way we used to live and serving our own self or only thinking about our own self or maybe not pressing into the things that God has for all of our lives. I want to draw your attention to a, a scripture. It's actually in the last book of the Gospels. The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John was the closest disciple to Jesus. And he actually writes a letter. And he writes it, these 21 chapters of, of the events of Jesus. It's, it's recorded in the Bible. And chapter 21 is the very last of, of, of all the writings that John did uh, in the Gospel recording of Jesus. And he starts talking about after the resurrection of Jesus and what happened in his life, what happened uh, in, in some of the disciples' lives, again, after Jesus Christ was resurrected. And, and the story says that after Christ was resurrected, that one day Peter just looks around. He's got, he's got six of his friends, his disciples, and he looks around. And he says, guys, <laughs> I'm going fishing. <laughs> I'm going back fishing. If you know the story, Peter was a professional fisherman. Jesus actually called him in Luke's gospel. He writes it that while he was mending his nets on the, on the seashore, Jesus called him to be a follower of his. And, and Peter just simply says, we're, we're going back. I'm going back fishing. And the six guys that are hanging out with him said, well, we're coming with you. Can, can I tell you something I think is very important during this season of life? You need to be careful uh, about who you are listening to. 
There's a lot of negative influence. There's a lot of crazy talk, a crazy speech that's going on out there. A lot of things that can grab your emotions and, and draw you back. Peter was a very outspoken disciple, and he just says to those guys, I'm going back fishing. They just said, thumbs up, brother. We're with you. And they go back fishing with Peter. The text actually says this. They go fishing, and they went fishing all night long, and they caught nothing. I think it's symbolic that Jesus tells them before he was resurrected, he wants them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He, 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 he wants them to, to, to carry on the gospel mission that he has. And they don't do that. And they go back to what's comfortable. They go back to their old lifestyle. And, and so I want to encourage you today, back has nothing for you. Got nothing for you. Now, I'm not saying don't go back to your job. You need to work. Uh, don't go back to loving your family because you need to. But, but don't go back to living a life that doesn't have God and Jesus at the center of your life. Don't go back. These guys were called. These guys were chosen. And, and, and the, the, the text actually says this, that uh, they're, they're out fishing all night. The sun rises up, and, and there's somebody on, this, on, on the seashore. <laughs> And it's actually Jesus. They don't recognize Jesus. And Jesus is on the seashore, and he looks out at those guys, and he says, hey, guys, he yells at them. They're about 100, 150 yards out there from the shore fishing. And he yells at them in the boat, and he says, hey, children, have y'all caught any fish? He calls them children. It's kind of interesting. They say, no, we had not caught anything. They don't know who he is. No, we, we, we don't know. No, but, but he calls them children. It's kind of an interesting word in the, in the Greek. It actually means children or it means friend. And I think Jesus is kind of trying to poke them a little bit, saying, I know y'all are men, but you ain't acting like men. You're acting like kids. You, you, things haven't gone the way you thought they were going to go, and you go back to an old lifestyle. And so I want to encourage you, it, it, that's not for us. But Jesus is so, so gracious to these disciples, and he is so gracious and merciful to us. He actually says this to them. Hey, y'all, cast your net on the right side of the boat. <laughs> we could say there's a right side and there's a wrong side. I know he was saying cast it on the other side, not whether on the left, cast on the right side of the boat. Uh, but there's a wrong way to do life, and maybe you've been doing it the wrong way. Maybe you've been doing it your way. God wants you to do it his way. He, he wants you to do it the right way. And they cast their net on the right side of the boat. And if you read the story, uh, the, the Bible says there was such a great, uh, great uh, catch of fish, it, it almost started breaking the net. And, and the text continues this, that Peter, again, I love the brother, he recognizes that, that, that this is Jesus. And so he, he girds himself up and he jumps in the water and he swims that 100 or 150 yards to the, to, to the seashore. And... And there he sees Jesus, and, and, and he starts having a dialogue with Jesus. We'll talk about it in a couple seconds, but I really believe in the middle of all the misery that we all are enduring, that there can be a miracle in the middle of your misery. Come on, type that there in the chat. There's a miracle in the middle of my misery. Maybe it's the, the loss of job. We don't want to diminish that. That's awful. Uh, maybe you're a business owner. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know how to make payroll. Uh, maybe you're a single mom and you got three kids and you don't know what's going to happen and, and, and we're, we're in the middle of it. But can I tell you today, if Jesus helped these guys, he's going to help you. There is a miracle in the middle of your misery. 
Jesus, uh, Peter realizes who Jesus is. He jumps in. He swims the shore. Then the boat comes. You know, they collect the fish. Uh, they didn't actually put it in the boat, but they drag it, and, and it's actually coming uh, into, into the, uh, the shore. Uh, Peter, Peter's there, and he, he starts having this dialogue with Jesus. It's interesting that J John, again, records this years after the event. And, and John actually says this, but beginning of this whole discourse, he said, this is the way that Jesus showed himself or revealed himself to his disciples. And this is how he did it. He does it by this miracle catch, something these guys were, were accustomed to as fishermen. But in his mercy, in his grace, he says, I'm going to come to you in the middle of your pain. So come on, everybody, right now, in the middle of your home, in the middle of the situation you're dealing with, I believe God is going to come to you in the middle of your pain. Shout, yeah, somebody out there in the couch. Yeah. And so what, what this story is telling us is that we just cannot go back and we cannot keep moving forward in our pursuit of Jesus Christ. We cannot keep, we, we cannot stop believing. We cannot keep moving forward in prayer. We cannot keep trusting that God has got a great plan in the middle of some crazy situations and times that we're living in. Can I tell you something? God's plan is unstoppable. It doesn't make a difference, coronavirus. It doesn't make a difference, worldwide epidemic. It doesn't make a difference what it looks like right now. God's plan is going to come to pass. Shout, yes, somebody out there. Man, I think it's kind of interesting, though. As Peter shows up on that shore... And Jesus is there, and then the other disciples come up, and they, they haul this net-breaking, you know, bunch of fish. And the Scripture says this, that Jesus was on the shore. Check it out. There's four things that it says were going on. That Jesus was on the shore. It says that there was a coal of fire there. Uh, that there was fish. Jesus actually had a barbecue going. Come on. Come on. He, come on. He had fish tacos going. Come on, somebody. I'm ready for some fish tacos. Uh, and, and he had some bread there, right there on, on the seashore. I think those four things are really symbolic for us today. So I just want to kind of camp there for just a second and, and give us a picture of what I believe God's heart needs to be, or God's heart, I should say, is, and you need to have this working in your life as I do as well. Thought number one is that the shore that Jesus was standing on is the world. The shore is the world. God loves the world. I love the picture that Jesus was standing on top of the shore, standing on the world. God loves you. He's got a great plan, as I've said many times already today, for your life. Just because the misery, just because the pain, just because the heartache, just because the death, just because the sickness, just because the lack that we're seeing, I don't believe he's the cause of it. He's standing on the world. Can I tell you? I believe he's using this, not causing this, but he's using this to get our attention. Does he have your attention this morning? There was a fire, the scripture says, of coals, a fire of coals. And I really believe that this means that we need to be passionate. We need to be hot. Uh, listen, a, a cold Christian doesn't change anything or anybody. It won't change a person. Cold and just lethargic and, and lukewarm. Jesus had a fire there. The fire speaks of passion, of a boldness. Of, let's, let's use this time. And I'm seeing it more and more. Christians, I'm seeing are more and more bold to share their faith. More and more bold to talk to people. You need God. Let me pray for you. Again, this, let's use this Misery for a miracle that people experience new life in Jesus Christ. Uh, there were fish. Jesus, again, had fish on the barbecue, we could say. Fish in Scripture is symbolic of lost humanity. 
That's what all throughout scripture. In fact, before, I said a moment ago, before uh, this, this event, in the, early, in the early days when Jesus called Peter, he said, Peter, from now on, you're not going to fish nat for natural fish. He said, from now on, you're going to be catching men. You're going to be catching men. And so what we know from scripture is that fish symbolically represent lost people. Lost humanity. These are our friends. These are our family members. These are our co-workers who don't know God or who are far away from God. These are the people that Jesus died for. And then lastly, it says that there was bread there. Again, Jesus is on the seashore. He, he's, he's got a fire. We need to be hot. He's got, he's got the fish. We, we need to be focused on lost people and people who don't know God, people who are away from God, people whose heart are cold to God. And there was bread there. The bread in Scripture is always talking about the Word of God. It's symbolic of the Word of God. That's what we offer to people. I don't know, I don't know how to change your situation. There's not enough money that will actually get somebody who has this virus healed. It won't happen. Money won't answer the problem. But I know somebody who can answer the problem. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He is the bread of life, the scripture says. He is living bread. And if you have not welcomed Jesus into your heart today, I'm trying to preach with some passion so that your heart would be open and that you would receive living bread that will satisfy your life now and forever. Jesus, I believe, what we can see from the story, he completely grabs their attention. He completely shifts their focus off of going back to going forward. Right now, again, I believe that Jesus Christ is shifting the world's attention to say, you need me. Money can't answer your problem. Come on, entertainment can't answer your problem. In our society right now, worldwide society, all things that we put our trust in, all things that we love that grab our attention are shut down. Sports and, and, and entertainment and the education, kids are home, everything's shut down. Why? God is, I believe, just shutting it all down to get our attention. You need me. A life without me isn't a life at all. Let me feel your life. Let me answer your questions. Let me be the Lord of your life. Welcome me in your life again if you've left me. I believe Jesus is crying out to all of us. What do we do? Man, what do we do in uncertain times? I've read that many times, you know, in the last several weeks and thought about it myself. What, what do we do? It's, it's kind of like, you, you know, when, when everything's spinning, if you've ever, I don't, I don't do roller coasters. I, I get motion sickness and I, I just don't like those things. But, I, you know, after you get off one of those things, the rides or whatever, and you, you want to grab something because everything's spinning. Uh, can I tell you something? A couple times during this, these events, it seems like things were moving pretty fast. It's just kind of like, I just need to grab something. So, so what, what do we do? You know, that's a question for me. What, what do we do in uncertain times, man? It's kind of like out at sea and you're, you're out, you know, and the fog comes in and it's dark and no navigation system. Thank God back in the day they had things called lighthouses. I suppose they still use them that are beacons that show ships where they can go. Of course, we got Google, we got GPS, we got all kind of things and all kind of maps that we can follow now that's different. But back in the 
the day, uh, a lighthouse was. Uh, the, the, somebody said the light that shines the brightest uh, or shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And so, so if we want light in our life to, to shine out to help people, we got to shine bright ourselves. And, and when we're in uncertain times, we, we, we've got to, we're looking for an anchor. We're looking for hope. We're looking for answers. And, and, and that lighthouse, or if you've ever been to a, a new city and you're driving down the highway, again, it's so easy now because We've got Google Maps, and it tells us, and, and come on, the, the car's talking to us where to turn and what's coming up. But back in the day, it wasn't that way, and, and you had to look at street signs, and you had to squint to see which exit to take. Or, and, and so listen, in uncertain times, who do you follow, or what do you follow? Can I tell you, number one, you need to follow and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. If you have not done that, or if you're away from him, or you're on the fence, and, and you're, you're bobbing back and forth like a bobber in the middle of the ocean, you need to follow and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. What's that mean? At the end of the service, in about 10 minutes, I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and I believe he's going to come into your life, because that's exactly what the scripture says, and if you will follow him, and you will surrender your life to Jesus your life is going to be built on solid ground. Yeah. Follow Jesus. Number two, I think the thing we need to do is we need to follow the word. The scripture is real clear. The word is a strong and a sure foundation for all of us. What do we do in uncertain times? What do we do when the world's moving? What do we do when everything around us is going, is just chaotic and everybody's giving us talking points, but nothing is really answering the need of our heart? The scripture tells us real clearly in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God will use it. God uses the word to prepare us and equip us, us people, to do every good work. Listen, the word of God is inspired by God. From these 66 books that we call the Bible, it is the inspired teaching of the word of God. And it is useful. And it's going to teach you. And it's going to train you. And it's going to point out things that you need to correct in your life. It's going to help you. And it's going to bring God's word to your life in the middle of uncertain and unstable times. You and I need God. And we need the power of his word in our life. Third thing I think that you need to do is that you need to follow. If you've done that, if you surrendered your life to Jesus, if you're building your life on the word of God, come on, you're working that into your life every day, following God's word, reading God's word, thinking about God's word, applying God's word in your life, you not then can and need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit's leading. What do you mean by that? God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live on the inside of you when you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. He is going to come and he's going to live inside you. He's going to dwell in you. It's God in you. Just like Jesus in the Gospels was, the, was God in flesh and blood with those disciples, you've got God, the Holy Spirit, living on the inside of you. I love this this picture in the Old Testament, it's in the book of Joshua, and the Ark of the Covenant, and maybe you've seen the Raiders of the Lost Ark, that great old movie, uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant was God in a box, we could say, God, God going from place to place, and any, anybody who had the Ark, the, the nation of Israel, they carried that Ark into battle, anywhere they went, they won, man, hands down, uh, the, 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 there was angels on top of that Ark, it was called the Mercy Seat, man, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant had God's Word, come on, the Ten Commandments in there, the, 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 those commandments 
Moses got on top of that mountain and a couple other things in there. It was God in a box, if you will. And anywhere they went, they won. And, and the Bible says this, that when Joshua was going into the land, the land that God promised them, the Ark of the Covenant would go out there in front of them. The scripture says about a thousand yards, about a thousand yards. And Joshua and his men would follow about a thousand yards behind the Ark. Again, symbolic for us that God's presence is out here in front of us. It's out here in front of us, and God is saying, I want you to follow my presence. I want you to follow my leading. I want you to, 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 to know me. I want you to hear me. I want you to listen to me, and I'm going to be out in front of you because God knows no barriers. Come on. He knows everything. He knows what's going on in your family. He knows what's going on with you personally. He knows college students, what's going on, the, the crazy stuff you're dealing with and how to figure out your classes now and what's going to happen in my life. And I'm doing everything online and, and I've got these, these, these group meetings and I'm trying to figure it out and all that. Listen, he knows the stuff you're dealing with. Will you do one thing? <laughs> Follow the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you. He's going to lead you. He's going to speak you. He's out there. To, he's going to speak to you, I should say. He's out there in front of you. Can I say number four? I think it's important. We need to follow godly leaders. Everybody's looking for leadership right now. I think it's important. Leaders that are over us. I want to pray. I pray for our president every day. I pray for the people that are leading our country every day, uh, nationally, but also in our state, in our local communities right now, where we live in Chula Vista. Pray for them regularly. Help them make wise counsel. But also, can I just say this? When you're a Christ follower, when you're a Christian, you're a God follower, you need to follow the godly leaders that are over you. So the scripture says in Hebrews 13, 7, remember the leaders who have spoken to you God's word. That's what it tells us. Just remember the leaders who have spoken to you God's word. So what do I do in uncertain time? I got to recall what the people that I love and the people that are over me, my mentors and my spiritual leaders and, 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 and my pastors. Let me encourage you. Do you have a pastor? Do you have a pastor? Do you have someone that you're listening to that the word of God's burning in your heart and, and you, can really, you can really follow their teaching that you're called to that local church? Uh, pastors aren't perfect people. I'm a pastor. Definitely not perfect. But, but, but the word of God will be working in your life on a consistent basis. And so I want to encourage you. You can follow godly leaders in uncertain times. Do you have a pastor? Do you have a mentor? Do you have a spiritual guide? You need one in your life in uncertain times, especially. I love a story. I'm just going to finish uh, the, the, our thought today, our teaching today, from, from a, a parable in, in, the, in the book of Matthew that Jesus tells about a landowner. He was a business owner. And this business owner or landowner goes to the marketplace, and he, he's, he's looking for people who he can hire. And, and the scripture says this, that, he's looking for guys to hire in his vineyard. And there's no LinkedIn. Come on, there's no, there's no monster jobs. There's no Indeed that <laughs> he can find these, these skilled workers. He actually has to go to the marketplace. I think the marketplace is pretty symbolic for all of us. He goes to the place where we're all at in life. And, and he, what, it, what, what the scripture says is that he finds guys, he hires guys at 6 o'clock in the morning. And then he goes back at 9 and I, it's, like, it's like he's confused because he goes back and he, the scripture says this. He finds guys standing around. Here's what it says. Idle, doing nothing, not working. Idle, doing nothing, and not working. I believe it's symbolic 
of us, many of us, not doing the number one design that God has for our life, hanging around, just hanging around. The owner's God, of course, in the parable. He expects and wants you to work, of course, naturally, but he's not talking about natural job or natural employment. And again, I believe through this whole situation that God is grabbing our attention to say the number one design for your life is that you need to be busy reaching people who are lost, reaching those who need to be found, reaching people that I sent Jesus Christ to die for. Reaching other people needs to be our number one concern. He's called you to be a fisher of men. You can't go back. You can't go back to the way it was. You can't go back to be cold in your faith. You can't go back to just think about your own life and your own way and your own family, as important as that is. You have to surrender your life fully to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When it's all over, what or who are you going to be? Are you going to be like Peter and say, I'm going back. I'm going back. I'm going back to the way it was. I, I, I cried out to God. Woo, he got me out of that mess again. Woo, but, but now um, it's okay. It's back to usual. Can I tell you, there's probably going to be some more of this going on. I hope not, but it just seems like this kind of stuff is escalating. God wants you to do a couple things. Number one, he wants you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And then, secondly, he wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. The sign of the cross, guys, love God, love others. On this Palm Sunday, I can't think of a greater thing that you could do than to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. He's pulled up on the shore of your life today <laughs> with a fire burning and with fish there saying, I I I'm here to reach people. And he wants to reach you right there in your home or wherever you're listening. I want to pray for you right now. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you're far away from him, what that just simply means is you don't have any fire. Maybe you had fire, but it's out. And today is a day for you to recommit and or commit your life to Jesus Christ. He's here on the shore of your heart waiting for you. I'm going to pray a prayer. Team behind me is going to repeat the